Awesome. Uh, so I was uh, reflecting this week. We're starting a brand new series today called Answers in Identity. You can see it up there. And I was reflecting on my life, and I was reflecting on like some of those earlier days in high school when you're trying to figure out who you are. Anybody remember those days? Like, do you remember, like, high, like some of you, some high school kids are raising their hands right now. Like, I'm in it right now, bro. I am there. I am experiencing it right now. I remember, like, my personality, who I am, like, I bounced around quite a bit in high school, like, trying to find my place of belonging, trying to figure out who I am, right? That's, like, the big time where you're, like, trying to figure out your identity, who you are, what groups you're going to run with, how you're going to do your hair, and how you're going to, like, what shoes you're going to wear, and what groups you're going to belong in. And our, our high school was rough, and it was one where... To a large degree, I just kind of kept my head down so I wouldn't get beat up. It was kind of a rough environment. I'm thinking about it. It's like all about posturing, posturing yourself, like project, projecting some sort of image to fit in with a particular group, to belong, to feel significant, to feel valued, that you belong to something or you belong to someone, and that you actually have value and worth. But it's not just isolated to kids and high schoolers. You know, as we planted Mercy Hill Church, as we uh, began to uh, dream and plan and have God put things in our hearts for what a church would look like in our assessment, it's like we're not any different. Like I've done youth ministry for a lot of years before I've done grown-up ministry. And then, like, as we're thinking through it and going, like, we're just the same. We're the same as the team. Like, we still long for identity and belonging and worth and significance in our lives. And unfortunately, what we find ourselves doing is getting all wrapped up in the things of the world, the pursuits of the world, and we think that our identity and our significance is caught up in those things and those things that we're doing. Everyone is longing for significance, for meaning, for belonging, for value, for worth, for identity. And what we really don't want is for anyone to tell us who we are. <laughs> like, we don't want anyone telling us what to do, do we? Like, I don't like people telling me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. You're not the, it's like the three-year-old in me rises up and go, you're not the boss of me. Don't tell me what to do. There's no way in heck we're going to let people tell us who we are. I will tell, I will define, I will dictate, even if you look at culture today, there's a lot of talk about identity. I identify as this. This is my identity. I am going to define it. I am going to set it. Don't you dare project that on me. I define who I am. The world has a way. The world has a mode, a method. We've been talking about this a lot over the last couple of weeks. Right? There's a difference between the world and how the world approaches things. Those outside of Christ. There's a difference between the world and the kingdom. Those in Christ Jesus. There is a different mode in approach to virtually everything. In the world, have you noticed? It's pretty broken. Have you noticed the brokenness 
of the world, it's, it's pretty apparent. Watch the news for two minutes. Like, everything that we've experienced, and I, I've referenced this before and I'm almost tired of it, but everything we've experienced for the last few years between COVID and politics and racial unrest and everything just amplifies and highlights the sheer brokenness of the world, which it's kind of hard to believe if you think about it. We are an advanced people. We are the most advanced civilization in hit, like we've come so far in so many ways, in virtually every area, virtually every earthly thing is available at our fingertips. Knowledge, the depth of knowledge, art, the range of expression and beauty, like we're just, we're more, cre it seems like we have more ways to create. In comfort and entertainment, it's all at our fingertips and in the palm of our hands because we have that silly little iPhone in it all the time. It seems like we have come so far and that we are better off in almost every way than every society that has come before us, yet, yet, when you look at society, when you look at culture, it is riddled with anxiety and depression and disappointment and discontentment. All of that stuff is going through the roof more than ever before. Peace and true joy eludes us. Contentment lasts but just a moment. Even as we have so much access to everything we could possibly imagine. Everywhere you look, there's discord, there's division, there's turmoil, there's despair on large communal ways, but it comes down to very individual ways, personal ways. And I think it's all because we're searching for significance and meaning, and the world's way is to look within yourself. The world's way is going to fool us into thinking that the answer lies within you. That if you just dig in deep, if you just do some deep soul searching and look within yourself, the answer is within you. But what the kingdom is going to say is that the answer is nowhere in you. That the person of you needs to be regenerated and redeemed and made into a new creation by the one who is the answer. The one who gives us significance. The one who gives us value and meaning and worth because he is the one who created us. See, the world has a mode. The world has a method. The world has a means of trying to find value, worth, significance, and identity. And the kingdom is vastly different. And it all starts back in the garden. Genesis chapter 1 Verse 26, when God created man, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and over the creeping things that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We've been made in the image of God. What does that actually mean? What does that look like? Right? Do we, does it mean that we look like him? 
Kind of. I once, uh, I think I've said this before, but I've asked, when I was doing youth ministry, I'd asked my teenagers, uh, various groups over the years, I asked them, I was like, uh, what does God look like? And the best answer I ever got was Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. I'm like, look, does that mean, that this is, I guess that must mean that we must look like Morgan Freeman then. If we are to, if we have been made in the image of God, but when you think about that, when, like, it says that we have been made God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. I heard a pastor once say, like, it's simply this. You've been made in the image of God to image God. Duh. You've been made in his image to image him, to reflect him, to point to him, to glorify him. Our significance, our value is in the reality, in this reality, that we've been made in the image of God to image God. It's about reflection. It's about showing forth. It's about magnifying, manifesting, making visible. It's about glorification. When I hear the phrase, made in the image of God to image God, it makes me think of the imaging department at a hospital. Anybody, a hospital folks in here, hospital workers, lots of nurses, lots of doctors in the room? Right, the imaging department, right? Whether it's uh, radiology, ultrasound, x-ray, MRI, it's taking something that's hidden to most and making it seen. Digging in deep, showing it forth. Our simple understanding of how we've been created, right, in his, in his image is the root of finding meaning. Understanding how we've been created as an imager of God is the root of us finding meaning, self-worth, significance, and purpose. We've been made to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. I'm sure you've probably heard that if you've been in church for any significant amount of time, right? The Shorter Catechism. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I ran into this great quote by Piper this week says this, the true significance of life is that God made human beings in his own image with precious value. And that value, that significance consists of knowing God, loving God, and showing God. In other words, life is about God. Man is not central. God is central. He created the universe and humanity in order to magnify the greatness of God. The world's going to tell you that you are central, that man is central, that we are central. And what ends up happening is, is because we don't want anyone telling us what to do or who we are, what we're going to do is we're going to prop ourselves up in the place of God. I will define my own value, my own self, my own identity. I will define it. That's not your place. That's not my place. That is God's rightly place as creator. The one who created you in his image to image him. So the true significance of this life is that God made us in his image. There are traps, though, that we fall into. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at some of these traps and how the Bible, how God's design, how God's plan for you 
answers these traps, that helps us not fall into these traps. Right? These are schemes of the enemy of our soul that would undermine God's plan, God's design for us and who we are. Robert McGee in his book, Search for Significance, the search for significance is where uh, a lot of the ideas for this series have come from. And and, and he outlines a few of these traps in his book and, and some great godly rebuttals rooted in the truth of Scripture and our God given identity in Scripture. One of the uh, traps that I'd like to highlight this morning. Maybe some of you would identify with this. I know in a, in, a, in a big way, my own heart resonates with this one. That there is a trap of performance that we can fall into. Right? Satan is a liar and a deceiver. It is who he is. He is a murderer from the beginning. He is a liar from the beginning. Way back in the garden, the very first words out of the mouth of the serpent, did God really say, undermining the truthfulness, the authority of God in his word, did God really say, he's a deceiver, he's been undermining his, the word of God and his plan for you and your life. He wants us to believe that our significance and our value, that our meaning and our identity, our purpose is found in this. My performance and other people's opinion of me. He wants us to believe that satanic lie, that my significance, my value, my identity is wrapped up in my performance and what others think of me, what others think of my performance. It's what I do. It's how well I do it. It's how I succeed or how I fail. And it's how people feel about my success or my failure. And the world camps here. The world lives here in this mindset. My value and my worth, my identity is rooted in how I perform, in my doing, and thus the people's response to my performance. We see this a lot in various ways. I've seen this like in families. Even in like how, you ever have one of those days as a parent where you just feel like you blew it? (laughs) You can amen that. I'm there with you. Where you just knew you knew you blew it. You're like, my performance today was awful. Praise God, his mercies are new tomorrow. We're going to go to bed. We're going to try again tomorrow. A lot of times, this idea of performance, our value and worth rooted in performance is all about our job success, our career path making the next advantageous step in our career, promotions, more educational degrees, letters, more letters added to our names. Even pastors, like this, this is a big thing for pastors. Pastors not carefully rooted in the word of God and in his design, they too find their identity and their self-worth in their ministry. It's a dangerous pitfall. I have many, many friends who have fallen prey to this pitfall. I saw a great interview with Dr. Uh, Paul Tripp. Uh, actually, he, I think he was explaining uh, the heart for a, a book that he brought out. and It was specifically, I think, geared for pastors called Dangerous Calling. And in, in this interview, he was talking about how the, the Word of God is this perfect mirror, right? James chapter 1, right? 
hears the word, doers the word. Josh, Josh referenced it in his prayer today. A man who hears but doesn't do is like a man who looks into a mirror and then walks away and forgets what he looks like. The word of God is that perfect mirror showing us, one, who God is, and two, who we are in him, our identity, who we are in him. And so when you look into the word of God, and sometimes it confronts us right in the face with our sin, doesn't it? That's beautiful. That's God's grace to us. That we would look in and go, oh man, I do fall short. But it also shows us who we are in Christ Jesus, no longer condemned. And so a lot of us, what we can do is we can find these other reflectors. I think in the interview, uh, Paul Tripp calls them carnival mirrors. You guys remember that you ever been to a carnival, like the house of mirrors and all of that stuff, right? You had that three foot long neck in one of them, like it's all exaggerated and it's all distorted. I think I have one of those at home, like I think our full length mirror at home, because I look a lot shorter and, and chubbier than I am, I think. <laughs> but we, we gravitate to these things that, that show us a reflection, but it's a distorted reflection. Sometimes we gloss over some of the things that we really need to address, but the Word of God is that true mirror. Paul Tripp explains it this way. We look for significance and worth horizontally. That's that performance piece and that other people's opinions piece. And it gives us a reflection of who we are, but it's a distorted reflection. It is not a true reflection, and thus we should not center our significance or our worth or our identity on those reflections. Instead, he says that our, our significance and worth have been hardwired by God to find it vertically, not horizontally. Our significance and worth is found in the fact that we have been created in the image of God to image God. It has been established and defined by not me, but by him. Horizontal is all about my performance and people's opinions. It's the trap that has been set for us. In whatever roles we have, it's a trap for me and my role as pastor. It is a trap for you in whatever role you have. When we fall for that trap of performance, my worth and significance tied to the result of my performance and people's opinions of me, we are left with two responses. When things go really well, when I perform well, when we nail it and people notice and they pat you on the back, get all the accolades, hey, pastor, great sermon today. That sermon was fire, bro. You kids say that. Some of you kids say fire. I don't get it, but... That was fire. It's a setup. It's a trap for pride and self-righteousness. Identifying with success, allowing the horizontal to establish and fortify my worth and my value. It's serious. It's serious. It's a grave danger of pride and self-righteousness. On the flip side, when you do not perform well, and people notice. When you do not perform well and you let the horizontal establish your worth and your significance, when you fail, you're left with disappointment, discontentment, despair, depression, anxiety, fear of rejection, and so on. 
But it's not just our drive to perform or earn within the world system that's a trap. Even within Christianity, a lot of times we can forget who we are. Even if you've been saved for a while, sometimes the enemy and his schemes can get a foothold in your mind and you can lose your way a little bit. See, it's my contention. I've said this before and, and, and I'm sure I'll say it again, that in the heart of every person, there is a deep, deep longing to be right. Not like, like I'm right and, and you're wrong. You ever met that person? Like they've always got to be right, but it's just because they have, like they just want to be, say that they're right. Not that they're right, and husbands and wives don't be elbowing each other right now. But like rights in the right standing with God aspect. That in the heart of everyone, there's a stirring and a restlessness just to be right with God, to be accepted and received by God, to be at peace with God. And so many people, especially in the world, we can't put our finger on it. That's why we pursue all these other ways. That's why we pursue all these other these means, but there's a restlessness in us, and we just want to be deemed right, accepted, received, and loved. I think there's a lot of people wandering the earth feeling that something is off and that they're not right with God, and there's two responses that we have. We either avoid him, right? We avoid him, we think, we know that we're not where we need to be, that we haven't done the right things, our performance has been subpar and even evil at times, and so we just run and hide like Adam and Eve in the garden. Or we start working our tail off. We start working our tail off so that he's going to like us again because we feel like he doesn't like us. We fall for the trap that it's our performance that saves us or that keeps us in Christ Jesus. When we perform well, when we read the Bible today, when I went to church today, I prayed today, I put money in the offering today, I served as a greeter today, I only said three swear words and only two of them were out loud. We're in danger of pride and self-righteousness, that we are self-redeemed, that we are self-justified. Talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago in our John series, right? Peter was pretty self-assured. Matthew 26, when he thought, that, though they all fall away, Jesus, though everybody else falls away, I will never fall away. My devotion is greater. My performance will outshine theirs, Jesus. Next thing you know, there's a rooster crowing in the background. Don't be so foolish, I said this a couple weeks ago, to think that your devotion or your good works or your performance earns you a place of favor with God or keeps you in Christ Jesus. Don't fall for the trap. It's not you or your perfect sinless living. It's Christ and his perfect life. Period. You are saved by faith, right? Alone. Saved by grace through faith. Alone. It is not in yourself that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, one of my favorite passages. The answer to the trap of performance is justification. The answer to the trap of performance is found in your identity in Christ. You get that? Answers in my identity. 
The reason why we phrased it that way is because when you truly understand your identity, it answers that. It, 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 it helps solve that trap, figure out that you can see that trap coming, and the answer is found in my identity in Christ, that I have been justified. It is not based on my performance or on other people's opinions, but I have been justified by Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 3. Starting in verse 4, it says, But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Why? Not because of works done by us in righteousness, Whew. but according to His own mercy. According to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The answer to the trap of performance is found in your identity in Christ and that in Christ Jesus we are found in Him. We are justified, made righteous by a holy God. So justification. Okay, just let's, let's, we gotta, you gotta chat about this, because you might not fully understand what that means. It's really just like a $4 Bible college word that means God looks on you and he declares you not guilty. It's very much kind of a legal vibe to this word. He looks at you and he declares you righteous. No longer condemned, right? Romans 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are where? In Christ Jesus, right? That identity rooted in him for the law of the spirit of life has set you free. There's freedom in Christ from the law of sin and death for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, right? Sin was condemned so that you and I would no longer be condemned because we are found in the righteous one. God meets us in our brokenness, right? Even when you fail, even when your performance is subpar, or even when your wickedness, we are wicked people, even when your wickedness shines through, he meets us in that brokenness. And he meets us with his perfection. He meets us with the, perform, with, with the person of Christ himself and the performance of Christ himself. Do you get that? He meets us with the person of God and the perfection of Jesus. And by faith, we are justified, declared not guilty, declared in right standing with the God of the universe, all because of Jesus. Our sin is then put on Christ, and his righteousness is then put on us. It's imputed to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I've said this a few times over the last few years. How could I, like, I'm, I'm just blown away by God's grace. I'm blown away by his grace. You ever just sit back and go like, why? why? Like I literally, like I literally just this week, I'm, I'm walking the, the bike trail 
I listen into scripture. I, I, do this, I do this often. I, I'll walk the bike trail down by our house in Wales, and I'll listen to the scripture, and I'll just be gripped by something. And I'm, I'm like having this total, like, I kind of get nervous because I don't realize, like, I do hand motions, and like, my wife will ask me once in a while, like, I'll be sitting there just thinking, and all of a sudden, like, I must be doing hand motions or like, like, you know, this kind of stuff, whatever. And my wife is like, are you preaching again in your head? Like, and so I get a little nervous when I'm listening to scripture, walking around in public, because I probably look like a crazy man sometimes. But this week I was gripped by the fact that once, like, why did you pick me? Why did you pick me? Like, I've had ample opportunities to blow it. My performance has been subpar at times, and yet somehow, some way, he still picked me. Somehow, some way, all these years later, I still get to stand in a pulpit and proclaim his excellencies. The one who called me out of darkness and into himself. Like, why? Why have you been so gracious and good to me to call me yours? I sit there and I go, how could I, like, how can I stand before a holy God? I think we underestimate God's holiness sometimes. Not just sometimes. I think we underestimate God's holiness all the time. Because when we talk about God's holiness, we're like, oh yeah, he's perfect. Like, he's perfect. But he is so perfect, so pure, so undefiled, and cannot and will not be defiled that he dwells in unapproachable lights. How could I ever be so foolish that I could ever earn a place before him with my own performance. On my best day, on my most righteous day, I still deserve hell. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. It's not based on my good days or my bad days. It's not based on my performance when I'm doing awesome or my performance when I just blew it again. My salvation, your salvation, rooted in your identity in Christ Jesus is because of Jesus. His perfection, his blood cleansing you, making you clean, but then his perfection, his righteousness being put on you so that when God the Father looks down, he goes, that person is right with me. Like I said, there's a stirring, I think, in most of us and in, in, in mankind to be right and at peace with God. And in Christ Jesus, God has done this for us. Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, right? By faith, not performance. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. A draw of every soul, every heart to be able to stand before God. That he would look down on me and accept me. That he would look down on me and, and, and look at my performance. And instead of seeing all of my screw-ups, he would look down and he would see Christ. That's my son right there. 
That's my daughter right there. That's my child right there. See, when we don't understand justification, we will either never come into Christ and experience our true identity in him, or maybe we have come to Christ and we put our faith in him, but the enemy has deceived us that our faith alone is not enough. I know Christians who are constantly burdened, constantly joyless, not experiencing the joy of salvation in Jesus because they fail to understand justification. Feel like you've got to do more, you've got to be better. And don't, don't, don't misunderstand me, okay? Works matter. But they matter in this. Works are evidence. Works are, are evidence of faith. Works are worship. They're nothing of merit. They, are, they will burn up wood, hay, and stubble. The only thing that will stand is what Christ has established. Works are worship. They are not the justifier. It is Christ by faith, who justifies us. So the trap is our performance and people's approval. The answer is in our identity when our identity is in Christ Jesus. Instead of falling for the trap of your own works, of your own performance, and the approval of others, place your faith in Christ. Cast yourself, cast your life upon him. Allow him and his work on the cross to cleanse your sin and allow his righteousness to cover you, to be put on you and put you in right standing before a holy God. And thus, and thus, we are approved by him. It's not in you. It's because of what Christ has done for us. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Before we pray, Maybe you're in this room today and you know that you need to put your faith in Christ. Maybe church has just been the thing. Maybe it's just been kind of religion or tradition. You you know today that you need an actual, authentic relationship with Jesus. You know that you need to put your faith in Christ. I would love to pray with you this morning, pray for you this morning. If that's you in this place, if you just maybe look up and catch my eye so I can pray for you. Awesome. Thank you. Praise God. Anybody else? Thank you. Praise God. Father, I pray for my friends here this morning that acknowledge their need of you. God, that they desire to put their faith in you, to trust you for their salvation. That it's not in the plan of this world. It's not even in our own good deeds, our own performance. It's only in faith in you. And so, God, today I pray that by the power of your spirit, God, that you would make them new. New creations, new creatures no longer following the course of this world, but following a Savior who died for us. I thank you for salvation and life. God, I pray that you would meet them with your spirit right now. That you would make them new. That you would empower them to walk with you.
that they would have the joy of salvation, the full joy of salvation, knowing that they've been redeemed and justified by you. Maybe you're a Christian in this room. Maybe you've been following Christ for a while, and maybe you still feel burdened. You have fallen for the trap. You're not walking in the joy that is found in Christ. You're not walking in the joy of salvation that's been purchased by him, and you feel like you need to purchase it over and over again with your performance. Maybe you just want to confess that and repent of that today, and I'd love to pray for you as well. If you're in this room and that's you, just look up and catch my eye. Yeah. For sure. Praise God. Jesus, we confess our need of you. I pray for faith to rise up in these people. That we would trust you. We would trust your word. That we would trust your plan for us. That we would trust our identity in you. And that it wouldn't be in our performance. It wouldn't be something earned by our good deeds and and lost by our bad deeds, but that our faith in you would be so secure that there would be joy that oozes from us. That we would understand justification. That we would understand your work for us. That when we are in Christ Jesus and our identity is set in you, We are at peace with the God of the universe. We are at peace with the one who is perfect and righteous and holy, cannot, will not be defiled. And you still ask us to come boldly to your throne. We can boldly come to your throne and receive grace because of you not our performance, but because of you. God, fill us with joy. Those in this room, God, that are burdened by you, God, fill it with joy. God, let us experience true salvation. It's full of joy. Us to understand your work, to boldly and beautifully live this beautiful identity we have in you. We love you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, let's worship together.